Blackhawks fans, welcome in. It is season three, episode eight of the Forefathers podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. I've got Ron Luce and Tony Marchese alongside me tonight, ready to talk some Blackhawks hockey. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing tonight? I am doing well, Johnny. It's uh, it's a great day to be talking Blackhawks hockey with two of my favorite pals. I know uh, Dennis Quaid is here in spirit, and it's going to be a great time. Oh, that Dennis Quaid night goes back. Um, no, I'm doing good, guys. It's always it's always fun to talk Blackhawks hockey with the two of you, and you know we're gonna just have some fun and talk about our favorite hockey team in Chicago. Yeah, exactly, guys. That's what we're here to do. Like I said, season three, episode eight. Hope everybody had a good uh, American Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, we have not been on the mic since then, so we are back right now. So uh, before we get in here and do a little Blackhawks status check, that's first up on the docket. Uh, we need some housekeeping. Make sure. Visiting on tapsportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at On Tap Sportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, give us a five star rating and review because that's cool and fucking tough. Uh, and also, if you're looking to get out of the Blackhawks game here, I know they're going to be on the road for a little bit, but there's a home game tomorrow night. Looking to get out of the Blackhawks game? Go to Vivid Seats. Order over $100. can use the code On Tap to get $10 off. That's code On Tap. For $10 off, any order over $100 on Vivid Seeds. Get yourself out to UC, see some Blackhawks hockey. So, gentlemen, like I said, we're going to start here. Blackhawks status check. How are we feeling about this team right now? Um, 9-13-2, 20 points, still 7th in the Central, 7 points out of a playoff spot. 4-4 uh, four and four since we last talked, so kind of some ups and downs in there. But overall, I think playing much better. How about you guys? What do you think? Agreed, agreed. And I really think, uh, Johnny, that they're fun to watch now. I've gotten to go to uh, two games now in the Derek King era. I went when they played Pittsburgh. Uh, and then I used our friends, fun fact, over at Vivid Seats uh, to go see them the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday. Had a blast. So, uh, you know, I feel pretty good about this team. They're fun. I will say I'm a little concerned. I was actually just looking into this today because I was finding inspiration for my next article. Very, very, very top-heavy scoring right now. Only really four players kind of carrying the load uh, for the most part. Seth Jones, Alex DeBrinkett, Patrick Kane, and Brandon Hagel. Uh, a really nice little surprise so far, even with missing uh, a little bit of time. So a little scared about that. But overall, they're, they're, they're more fun to watch. They're certainly more fun to watch than they were under Colleton. So um, I feel better about it now, and I'm really wishing they didn't have that such an awful, awful start. They would be – I mean, they're only, what, seven points out of the playoff picture, Johnny? That's right, Ron. Um, as we're looking at this uh, playoff picture here, uh, you know, th it's kind of like a, yeah, we're seven points below that four seed, that last one that makes it in the Central Division. But all these other ones there, as soon as you get to that threshold, it's between two points, between like the second and sixth seed there. So there is room there for the Blackhawks if they go on a run. And that's why I titled this episode. You know, I always like to, you know, kind of go with themes. Season three, episode eight, ready to run. I'm ready to run. That's going to be my little uh, Blackhawk status check here. But let's get let's get over to Tony first year. Yeah, guys, I think that this team is just like Ron said, way, way, way more fun to watch than they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, this hockey season's felt really long so far, at least to me. Like, I feel like there's been a tale almost of, of two Blackhawks teams that we've watched. One, obviously, underneath Jeremy Carlton, the second one underneath Derek King. Um, something that I wrote a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe the breath of fresh, eh, the breath of fresh air that the Blackhawks needed 
Um, it certainly feels that way, at least to me, watching this team play hockey. And I know, Ron, you mentioned very top-heavy, uh, but something that uh, we've also talked about on this show, guys, uh, you need your your scores to show up. You need your, your big guns uh, to get things done. And I, I'm going to add Marc-Andre Fleury as a big gun to that list as well. He's been a joy to watch in goal, uh, just stealing a couple of games here for this team. Um, overall, I, I think the King shit is just the most impressive thing ever, Johnny. I, I, I'm just enjoying this team uh, a lot more than I thought I was going to be, uh, especially, you know, week, two weeks into the season. Right. Good points all around there, guys. Um, as I was getting back to kind of my ready to run thing, I agree with you guys that it is much more fun to watch. And I agree around the games that I've been to in the Derek King era. Uh, definitely more life in a on the ice and then be in the crowd too. I feel like, like I said, there's like a dark cloud that was lifted over everyone when uh, Jeremy Collin exited and Derek King took over. Um, and we'll, we'll get to a little bit because there's some other movement around the league, guys, uh, that we, we had kind of talked about in our individual chance today. But we'll get around to that uh, towards the end of this episode. Uh, but uh, overall here, uh, need to need to go on a run here. That's what we're ready to run. We need to get a streak going. Uh, I am glad that they're playing much more competitive hockey, playing much more shutdown hockey. I think that's the biggest thing, not giving up as many rush chances here um, as of late, and that is turned into some success but like i said four and four since we last talked here so it feels like one step forward one step back you're just kind of like staying in the same place as other teams progress uh, throughout their schedules too and add up points or you know lose games uh on their own but um blackhawks right now 9.7 percent chance of making the playoffs um that is no you know it's, it's not the end-all, be-all. This is via moneypuck.com. They run these things. It updates every day. It updates after every game. There, there's oh, It's ever-changing. The, the couple teams could lose, and the Blackhawks' odds could shoot up to 11 point whatever percent after tonight. Who knows? Um, but, but Johnny, you're what, saying there's a chance. Yeah, you're saying I'm there's saying there's a chance. chance, and I'm saying there's a lot of hockey <laughs> left to be played, Ron. I think that that's more of what I'm driving at here. So, like I said, going on a run uh, would be beneficial because we look at teams that have been down early, down bad early. You know, they talk about being down bad. Well, guess what? The St. Louis Blues and that their Stanley Cup winning year. I hate the Blues as much as every one of you guys on this podcast, but um, they went on an 11 game winning streak during that season in the middle of January. Uh, so that a it wasn't too little, too late for them, and b it can be done but you just got to put it together. You got to go on a run. So I'm ready to run boys. Yeah, I love that. I'm ready to run with you too, Johnny. And not only because of the, uh, the Thanksgiving pounds that we gained, but also because this team feels like once they get fully healthy, maybe they can go on a run. Like I know, you know, there's, there's some stuff going on. Connor Murphy obviously has missed some time now in the last couple games. Uh, McCabe also away from the team for a little bit. You know, they're, they're, they're still playing fun even without big guys missing in the lineup. Like, they're still putting together wins. Obviously, the Islanders win, and we'll get to that in detail here shortly. But, you know, that's a big win. Like, sure, they had to go all the way to a shootout, just like they did against uh, the Capitals in their victory on Thursday. But, like, that's two wins against two teams that, sure, the Islanders are struggling in the standings, but the Washington Capitals are the best team in the Metropolitan Division right now, guys, and they, they beat them in their own place. Like that, that gives me encouragement, Johnny, to your point that this run could happen. They just need, they need a lot from two players, in my opinion. And that's Jonathan or three, actually Jonathan Taves, Kirby Doc, and Dominic Kubelik. I think those three guys need to get going, but they, they've showed the top heavy scorers can carry this team when the other guys aren't scoring. You know, Seth Jones leads the team in points. Kane is a point behind him with obviously a few less games played. 
you know, Hagel's up there and Debrinket. I mean, having a great year already, 19 and 21, I think, for him, or 19 and 24, sorry. And 14 of those are goals. Like, he looks like the sniper shooter. I mean, he won the game I was at on uh, Black Friday in overtime. Like, Cat looks like a superstar. Excuse you, that's Blackhawks Friday. Blackhawks Friday, yes, I'm sorry. But, you know, he's he's, he's a superstar now, guys. Just like we talked about, he's a superstar. Alex DeBrinkett is here, and he's, he's he's ready to run too, I think, Johnny. So, I have hope. I have hope. I think this team can play well enough to go on that run. Alex Brinkett's sprinting the marathon so far. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's there. But I totally agree with you on the Kubalik Doc uh, Taves uh, uh, sort of front. I would throw Henrik Borgstrom in there, too, because I know he has the skill to do so. Yeah. I, I would I would tend to agree with that as well, Johnny. Uh, he's he does have that skill. He's got that speed, too. But I think overall, Ron, uh, I want to get back to Alex to here. I hope, as Johnny said, he's sprinting the marathon. I hope this doesn't fall off because I feel like that would be somewhat of a disaster for this team if you cannot get one or or multiples of the, that group that we just talked about, Kirby Doc, Jonathan Taves, Borstrom, Kubelik, somebody else out there going and scoring at, at somewhat of a rate. Because right now, guys, just watching this team, although it's been fun, if Alex Debrinkit isn't scoring – there, there's like a problem that night, like just getting some offense going. At least it feels that way. Um, just a little worried about uh, about a, a fall off in production somewhere. Yeah, I agree, Tony. And he, his shooting percentage is pretty high. And I'll get to some shooting percentage statistics regarding some other players later in here. So um, I agree that that is a concern if he drops off, uh, how are the Blackhawks going to find offense. But um, as we mentioned, uh, I think Ron and I both identified uh, the parties that need to step up. Uh, when it comes to that. So I think that wraps it up for our Blackhawks status check here. Um, let's get to one that's recent in our minds here. An interesting Isles game. This was pretty interesting, guys. Blackhawks pulled out 3-2 in a shootout here. Uh, but observations from this Sunday night showdown on the Long Island. It's good to see Dylan Strom score. <laughs> that's a guy that needs to get going in one of two ways. He either needs to get going enough to get a change of scenery, if that's something he perhaps wants, or just get going enough to be meaningful to this Blackhawks team this season. He's making $3 million. He's one of the top paid forwards because obviously they're so top heavy now at the forward position with who they, who they pay, you know, but he, he needs to, he needs to step up. He needs to do something and, and he needs to prove that even if it's not with the Blackhawks after the season, that he can still play in the NHL. This was a guy that we saw put up what 51 points in 58 games right after he, he arrived after being traded. And then the following season, uh, you know, didn't play, obviously, they didn't play the full season with the COVID stop. And he still had almost 40 points. At least that's nice numbers for a guy like Dylan Strom. You know, that was my biggest takeaway because, yes, they get the win. Obviously, Patrick Kane make it nasty in the shootout. Uh, you know, he gets the job done. You know he's going to get the job done. But seeing a guy like Dylan Strom pot one, uh, especially when he's been struggling. And here, more, more quick King shit for you gentlemen because now – that King has taken over, he's smart enough to put a a scorer in his scoring role. He's playing that second-line wing and really has a chance now to prove himself again. He lost that with Colleton because he got buried in the doghouse. Now he can he can thrive. He's playing next to skilled players. You know, Maybe he gets hot. Maybe he's the guy that jumps up into that top level of scoring for this team on some type of stretch run. 
Ron, I like that you say that because that is a good, um, you know, sort of name that we didn't throw out there that could be like kind of like the sleeper uh, of the supplemental scoring, as I like to call it. So um, I agree. It was great to see Strom there. Uh, Strom Sundays have replaced Suter Sundays. If you follow along with us during the 2021 kind of weird COVID shortened season, uh, it was Suter Sundays because he scored his first uh, goals and goal and hat trick uh, on that Sunday against Detroit early in the season and then uh, later. It seemed to always find the back of the net on Sunday. So Strobe Sundays have replaced Suter Sundays uh, following along with our four feather sticks here. Um, Tony, observations from this Isles game. Again, I wanted to just go back to Marc-Andre Fleury and just how impressive he was in that. Um, God, God, I mean, I know Corey Crawford is probably one of the better goalies that we've ever watched. But like, I guess the Mark Andre Fleury thing is becoming more and more real to me every time I watch this guy play. That was my biggest observation from Sunday: is just how impactful he can be in net. That and Derek King, the highlights they showed of him, I think it was coming out of the second intermission. Badass Derek King knew how to play hockey. I, I wish that we were. Uh, I guess doing the show back when Derek King was in the NHL because that guy's got the king shit as yeah. uh, as our guy Kirk Zappel. Yeah, king, king shit, uh, the mullet there. That was great. Uh, we shared that out uh, at Four Feathers Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can go and check it out there. Uh, that old Isles hockey card, what Tony's referring to there. Um, I'll get into some of my takeaways from this game. Um, you know, you jumped out to a couple leads there, so th- that was good to see. But overall, and I know the Islanders aren't an attacking team by any means. In fact, they're very passive, which we'll get to in a second here. But, uh, you know, it was the second night in a row of Blackhawks playing fairly solid defense overall. And that's just been such a few and far between thing uh, ever since. You, Jeremy you are, came to you the are spot on. That's, that's exactly where I'm going with this. And you go and look at the rush chances, uh, both Ben Pope and uh, Charlie Emiliotis, Blackhawks beat reporters do a great job of kind of outlining some of these stats and just showing what a stark contrast it is from Kaladin era to uh, Derek King era, even though it's just very short word and small sample sizes, but you can look at it over a game like, Oh, well the Blackhawks averaged, you know, allowing whatever it was between 10 and 12 rush attempts per game. Whereas now we're down in like to the three to like six range. And I know the Capitals game was a little bit of an outlier, but overall, even against a team like the New York Rangers, sure. They got a lot of offensive zone time uh, and, you know, some solid looks, but those weren't coming off the rush. It wasn't the Blackhawks getting beaten down the ice uh, and making some dumb plays. So that tells me, A, they're better structurally in their position. And then they're also, um, you know, doing what they can uh, to negate through the neutral zone. So th- that is uh, a much, you know, kind of desired improvement uh, that I've seen from them. And that's something I noticed in the Isles game. Uh, other than that, um, let's get into the OT period because the Islanders just wanted to play keep away and essentially play uh, four corners. You know, you can't do that. So you have three on the ice, uh, but that's essentially what they wanted to do. Uh, and it bit them in the ass guys. I- I'm so glad it did because uh, the hockey gods were not happy with the Islanders for that uh, kind of strategy that Barry Trotz employed. I don't know if Barry Trotz was playing like Chell like the night before and you know you when you just rag the puck around until you're like you, you hope your opponent just quits because you're being just absolutely fucking ridiculous it was i don't even know what that overtime was um uh, and 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 johnny I'm, I'm right there with you because god forbid for some reason that strategy worked and that's what three-on-three overtime hockey becomes especially when there's 
uh, you know, a team that's got the kind of firepower that the Blackhawks do have in the three on three with Patrick Kane, Alex to You can even, when you get these guys going like Jonathan Taves, Kublik, like the three on three is one of my favorites there because the Hawks are structured so well for it, at least in my opinion, just with the talent of the guys that they have on the ice with so much open space to work, you give it to a guy like Patrick Kane. It, it's, likely going to be game over. So to wait him off the ice, sure, I think that's that's an interesting strategy, however you want to play it, but I'm fucking glad it backfired because there is absolutely no way that that is good for the game of hockey when you have teams ragging it around in what should be the most exciting format that hockey can be played in, which I truly believe is, is the three-on-three. Three. Yeah, what I say, the Islanders are the only team that could possibly make three-on-three overtime boring, and that they did. Um, And it was funny, guys, because after that uh, nice victory, I had about five or six more victory beers uh, after the final horn had sounded, and I uh, went back to the highlights after that um, in a little bit more, uh, you know, jubilant state, and I realized that they literally, like, went to the face-off of the overtime and then cut it right to the shootout. There's no highlights from that, and that's a product of Barry Trotz and the Islanders there, but I thought that was funny. Well, and you mentioned, too, the hockey gods, right, Johnny? And, you know, they made three-on-three, like Tony said, to be exciting. Like, you want, you know, two-on-one rush chances with Debrinkit and Kane because Seth Jones got a a poke check at the blue line and sends them the other way. That's the the reason the three-on-three was made. It was so more games ended in a hockey field. And it's probably the best move the game ever made for its advancement in in terms of popularity as a a fast, high – you know, high-paced, exciting sport. You know, you, you can't do that. The hockey gods, like you said, really came back, bit them in the ass, and said, hey, and I, I remember seeing this at the AHL level when they first did three-on-three because, like, nobody knew if they wanted to be, like, super, like, go for it. So a lot of teams would play 2D and one forward, and it was boring to watch. Like, there's a reason that doesn't work because it'll only make hockey worse, and we want to make hockey better because hockey is cool and fucking tough and it's a sport that more people should be able to enjoy. And, you know, when you got Alex Debrinkit sniping home from a cane pass, got to see that live on, on Blackhawks Friday, Johnny. Um, it's exciting. It, it makes being a hockey fan fun, too, uh, because especially with the level of skill in today's game, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McJesus, like Johnny and I always like to joke and send highlights to each other. Um, but, like, these guys thrive in this format. They're good for the game. It's a way to get the most skilled players out there in public in the best situation for them to really show off and make the great game of hockey even better guys. Right, Ron. And, uh, you know, a couple of comments here, obviously that, uh, that kind of wrapped up the overtimes. The Blackhawks did, even with that kind of weird Islander style, the Blackhawks did have a couple of pretty damn good looks uh, in the overtime period, despite that uh, and the kind of limited uh, opportunities that they had there, but they made the most of it. So they got rewarded for trying obviously in the shootout, Patrick Kane, the only uh, player to score. Um, we put the little gif up from four feathers, you know, you hear that in my aisles, that's the sound of the only goal horn in extra time. Uh, you know, you got, you got to love to see that it's always showtime in the shootout. Uh, he's just absolutely nasty. Make it nasty. It's automatic. Um, and then other than that, Mark Andre Fleury is still perfect in the shootouts. We will get, we do have a section for more flower power. So let's save, save some of the flower praise for that. We will get to that. Uh, th- that is built into the show. Uh, but I do have one thing, and I just want to hear how Tony reacts to this. Derek King needs to adapt a strategy that Jeremy Collin employed. Can you guess what it is, Tony? And before you fly off the handle. <laughs> just lay it on me. It's Derek King needs to put Jonathan Taves out there first 
and then win the face off and then let Taves go off and then bring to brink it on or bring Kane on whoever you're coming off. I would guess you'd bring uh, Kane on um, and start with the brink Jones and Taves because he had said he, he had a quote about it. And I will say this is one of the things that Derek King, he didn't really make sense with me. Uh, and he said, Oh, they're good enough players. They're going to retrieve the puck at some point. Well, how long is that going to be Derek King? If that's going to be 45 seconds, uh, like it had to be even longer last night when the Islanders controlled the puck, those guys are already gassed. So you don't even get your first rush. Uh, and you got to go and change them up. So that's one strategy from the Jeremy Collin area. I wish Derek King would employ, but th- this is just me nitpicking because yeah, the I think you're, won the game, you're so. getting a little, you're getting a little nitpicky here for me. But they, uh, this, this is, this, I needed to give a hat tip here uh, on this because this is from uh, Eric junior, 25, 25 on Instagram commented on the four feathers post about this. And he had said um, that, you know, it's something super easy to fix. Taves is top five in the league in face-offs, get him out there, win it. And if you lose it, You've got a better defender out there. So th- that's just my approach, and I agree with him. So I don't know. Tony, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, I think you're kind of right there. You you want your best face-off guy getting control uh, of the puck for your team out there in the three-on-three overtime. I think it's kind of unfortunate uh, in this regard that uh, Taves isn't a top-three guy that you're going to have out there on line one in, in overtime. But, yes, you can easily fix this by having him take that face-off win the puck back, get Kane on the ice. That's, that's completely fair. I think that uh, at this point though, Johnny, um, if that's what we're complaining about, we've gotten ourselves to a point where things are much better than they were a fucking few months ago. And that's, (laughs) that's music to my ears. So let's, let's be happy that we're complaining about three on three overtime hockey strategies to make the Blackhawks more efficient at winning more games. That's yeah. that's great. That's great news to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just wanted to give that first line out there to see how you'd react. So I'm um, glad you just kind of uh, re- rolled over on that because I could have seen an explosion uh, when it comes to King shit versus <laughs> old JC. Uh, one last thing, and while we're on some King shit here, Derek King, the snazzy suit magic boys, uh, it's 2-0. Wart in Washington, shootout winner. Wart at the Islanders game, shootout winner. Went away from it on the game in between there against the Rangers and they lost. We're just a regular suit. I think he's onto something when he says like, it's distracting guys on the bench skating by the other team. They're looking at it. Snazzy suits are cool and tough. Sharp dressed man. Yes. Can we bring, can we, can we get Derek King walking out onto the bench from the tunnel to sharp dressed man? Can somebody like, can, can we do that? I think that would be a good thing for home games. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think we absolutely should. It should be part of that, um, along with that kind of new warm-up package of music that they got there. So, um, boys, that, that was good, though. Good, good to end that trip. That's a 2 and one road trip uh, that that shootout win at the Islanders brought them. Um, I would have liked to win all three. I, I was ready. I was geared up for a Saturday night, Saturday night game, too, uh, against the Rangers. But you know what? On that trip, you're playing tough teams. The Rangers are surging near the top of the league, so um, I'll take it. I'll take it, and you still played decent defense against them. So well, let's move on past this Isles game, and let's talk about some more general themes here. And the next topic on the docket is what's up with Doc? What's going on? What have you guys seen? I Tell me if I'm wrong, guys, but it almost feels like there are some times where he either looks lost or – looks just defeated like I feel like he's lost a lot of confidence and I think you know he he's shown so many highlight plays in his young career that like he's got he was feeling himself you know he was feeling good 
when you've looked at it lately, I remember, especially live on Blackhawks Friday, like there was a couple of times when like he would go to reach for a puck and like you could just see the desperation in his eyes. It was like puppy dog eyes where he's just like, oh, like, you know, he's so defeated. And it's like he he really needs the run the most because if he needs to get going, because I feel like when he's confident, you know, he's trying to puck handle through four guys and, you know, he's he's playing like an elite player that he certainly has the potential to be. Right now, he's playing really pedestrian. He needs to start using the size. He needs to, you know, work on something. He just he needs to be rejuvenated, guys. Because, you know, quite quite frankly, I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous now sitting here, especially when Bo and Byram is balling out in in Colorado. You know, I don't want to ask that question of did the Hawks make the wrong pick at number three? Because he was a guy that I was on record saying I wanted. <laughs> you know, when we talked before the draft, so. He really needs a confidence swing because right now he just he looks terribly defeated, guys. This is gonna sound harsh. Um, but I, I think that Kirby Doc looks really, really fucking good at doing not a lot of impactful things. Um, you know, he, he gets into the right spots and then puck jumps over the stick, or he'll skate through three or four guys and there's there's no finish to his game. And I've I've been kind of waiting to see the 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 finish. I, I guess I would rather see Kirby Doc not skate through four guys really impressively, and then lay an egg on the breakaway. And I'd rather him just be in the right spots using his size to create chaos or do something that's a little bit more impactful in front of the net that might lead to a goal. Or does lead to a goal. I, I, I want the goals. He he needs to start simplifying what he's doing a little bit, at least in my opinion, and and just start focusing on that finish portion of his game. He he's got incredible hands. He's got the size. You can't teach size. There's there's so many things that he can be doing. I think that would be a little bit more impactful than I think what he's trying to right now. And I think he's trying a little bit too hard to do those impressive things and wind up on a highlight reel versus actually trying to have that finish in his game at the moment. And, and Ron, you talk about somebody who can get going. Yeah. Then, then that's when that complete package starts to put itself together. But right now he has not, I, I don't know guys, has there been a stretch of hockey where you're like Kirby doc is just fucking amazing. Yeah, I haven't seen Colorado, it. but he also scored a goal in that game. So I know, but like that's <laughs> one that's one game. Let's talk about yeah. like a stretch of a week where we're really impressed with yeah. Kirby Doc's play. No. I don't think it's happened yet. That, that's I was just going with for that. Like you can talk about that game one at Colorado and be like, he was the best player on the ice for the Blackhawks, no doubt. But other than that, I agree with you. That's the pro- that's the problem I have right here, and Ron. That's where those thoughts start to creep into your head. Yeah. What, what what's going on here? Where's the development? And you look at kind of what they did with Kirby Doc, and it was kind of up right away. And you start to wonder. You you had him in a system with Jeremy Colladin, right, guys? Who was supposed to be here to you know he was a development guy, and we're going through all this retooling, and here's this system, and now you've got Derek King who's letting the guys play free, a little bit more free, um, and you you still don't see it. So like, where where is his game? Where is it going to go? What's the development plan with Kirby Doc? Because he was your big pick. This could be a problem. If the Hawks don't take that next step, I think some of that onus is going to be on how the Blackhawks handled Kirby Doc and Kirby Doc himself. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to be sitting here, guys, in two years thinking, 
you know, wow, Lucas Reichel looks like he's going to really turn out to be a very nice player, uh, especially for where they got him in that draft, especially when a guy like Seth Jarvis went just a couple picks ahead. He looks so good in Carolina. But, you know, that's where you're like, damn, if they got that right, and then they miss on the, the, like you said, Tony, the big pick, the number three pick that you won out of the lottery. I remember, I remember walking home from the commuter train when I still worked in the city, watching the live stream. And I remember Minnesota's pick coming up in the Hawks spot, which meant the Hawks won a lottery spot. And I was like, yes, this is the chance they needed to find like that next guy for the next core. You know, they kind of had that with the Brinkett already, but they needed another one. And I think we all thought it was going to be Kirby Doc. And so far, it kind of hasn't, but like he's shown flashes. I mean, he's playing big minutes. He's, he's playing like 22 minutes a night sometimes. Like he's getting a lot of ice time. They want him to prove it. And it's like, What's going on? Like he yeah. he really needs to get it. Is he long term center? I, That's another I, question that I have. Yeah, well, I, I think the position is in question, but it's how effective will he be? Um, I, I know you guys kind of talked big picture there, and I think there will be plenty of time to talk about Kirby Doc. Big picture, did the pick work out? Um, obviously, we need to see more, but um, well, let's bring it back to right now. What's going on this season? Let me hit you with some figures and see if these do anything for you. So what's up with Doc in our section here? Uh, the first question I pose is, will he ever score again? Um, some underlying figures, dates behind this. Uh, no. <laughs> he's getting plenty of looks, just hasn't been able to finish. Uh, last goal was October 27th versus Toronto. Uh, that makes it a 17-game drought. Uh, he's 0 for 27 shooting in that range. Uh, his last point came November 20th at Edmonton. He had two assists that night. Uh, but Going back to that figure that I dropped just before that, he's shooting just 7%. That has to turn around, right? Right. Right, Johnny. It really has to because... Didn't I one feel... Alex Debrinkit shoot like 8% like a couple of years ago and then everybody thought he was like... Eh, I don't know. Bust. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Just, I just, well, these are why I bring these things up. No, and, and that's fair. And I, I think we all can confidently sit here and feel like he has... See, we're Johnny's trying to bait me. With like some audio <laughs> clip from like two years, two years prior when Kirby Doc was like <laughs> rattling off fifty goals or something fucking ridiculous, well, I, and I'm gonna be there. No, he never, you, he's never gonna score you, again. That's what that's you, what this is bait and switch. You asked, you asked why. I'm trying to give a little context behind as to the why, and that's the lowest shooting percentage like we saw with Cat and there's some luck involved. I mean, the other night, and granted, part of it's placement too, but fuck, he had such a great look. All like the you know top of the net open and Georgiev makes a mask save that could have easily gone in top shelf and we're talking completely differently here about Kirby Doc right? Yeah, I mean that's that's fair, that's fair. Uh, but again, it's the it's the finish. Kirby Doc didn't have to shoot the puck into his mask; he chose to, right, Johnny? I mean these guys also, are yes, machines. These guys, also, are mach- these guys are supposed to be machines. Also very true. He's but, just uh, not he's just not programmed to finish. Right every, every once in a while, you shoot one off of that and deflects in, right? Like. You know, it's like I said, it could be a different tone here that we're talking about. So I'm just trying to oh, yeah. give different parameters here. I know. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to back this up with science and facts. Hashtag facts. Hashtag facts. Cold hard facts. Maybe some meatball takes thrown in there. Per Frank's spaghetti and meatballs. Per Frank's spaghetti and meatballs, which is exactly that. That just went right by. And I, I, I think I timed that one just a little bit off, but it's all right. We'll try again. <laughs> Always has to be perspective and meatballs. But yeah, and, and guys, I mean, at least maybe this is my own thought really quick too on Kirby Doc this year. Like 
this was also a guy I think coming in had that like, like, okay, like he's going to take that next step. And I kind of feel like we went through that with cat a little bit. Like maybe, maybe they are kind of on that same path. Maybe like him playing a little more freely, you know, he is going to be able to get him back on track too. Uh, because we, we all see talent there, but yeah. Correct I mean, me if I'm wrong, Ron though. Didn't Al- there's one major difference to me with Alex to and, and Kirby doc. And that is, just the goal scoring ability ability and pedigree coming into the league. Very true. Good point. That's that's fair. I, I think the the one little subtle difference I would note is uh kind of where he played in the WHL. It's a much more defensive league. It's not as open scoring as the OHL. Nonetheless, though, totally agree because I even think if Kirby Docks in the in the OHL, he's still not putting up those same type of numbers that Cat was just as a natural goal scorer. Um but he certainly has the ability to be an all-around player. Like again, I think the really good comp that he was kind of given coming out of the draft was to O'Brien Getzlaff. We're like, yeah, he's only going to maybe give you 18 goals a year, or, you know, 19 goals a year or on a really good year, maybe he'll give you over 20. But he's going to rack up like 75 assists in the season as well. Like he, he we thought he was going to be that kind of guy and you know, he's starting to show this like finish it's like I really think he just they kind of misdeveloped him. And I think that's, you know, obviously to the old regime, you know, that's kind of their blame because, you know, we're sitting here and we're like, damn, like this guy has the talent to be the player. He just hasn't unlocked it yet. I would I would like to see him use the size a little bit more, guys. Like if you're not going to be on the score sheet for for scoring goals and you've got the and you've got the hands, um, you, you hit somebody, get under people's skin. And maybe that's going to come with a little bit of age. Uh, but that's one thing that the Hawks have lacked for such a long time is, is kind of that size. And you've got it now with Seth, Seth Jones and you've got it with Kirby doc. And I, I want to see them be physical. I just want to see them be a little bit more physical. And I think Kirby doc, especially if you're talking about an offensive player on this team who, you know, isn't the, the, <laughs> The Hawks' physicality has come from a bunch of small guys over the years. It's been Andrew Shaw. It's been Drake Kajula. It's Brandon Hagel right now. Like, Kirby Doc, if, if you're not going to figure out the scoring, like, be a force somewhere else. I think that's, like, the first place that I'm looking. Like, go be that guy. All right. right. I, th- I think you can do a mix of both, too. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we do see a little bit of that because guess what? You guys see it. You guys see after a goal is scored just in general. Any any team doesn't matter, not just the Blackhawks, but a goal scored, the boys are buzzing is a real thing. It's a very real thing. You see a little extra pep in the step. Guess what? Kirby Doc finds twine once here. I guarantee there's a little bit more jolt in his checks. There's a little bit more pressure to back check and lift that stick and get the pass going the other way for the cat streaking up the boards. You know what I'm saying? Um, I legitimately think you you talked about it, Ron, getting kind of like the uh, sad, you know, uh, puppy eyes uh, in that game that you were at on Blackhawks Friday. Um, that You're not going to see that as much if he gets one and starts getting that confidence level up. Uh, it's, you know, so wild to think about. And it's like, it's funny how, how this game has been in any sport in general has been so overtaken by statistics as of late, but then the human element can almost be even a bigger factor uh, at points there. And I legitimately think with Kirby doc, uh, that could be the case that we're looking at um, if he is able to indeed pot one in the next few games here. Yeah, and I think I think tomorrow is a great opportunity, right? I, you know, he was really good over the weekend, had some good looks. Maybe he translates that coming home. 
there might be a little more of a buzz in the building too. I feel like tomorrow I'm actually excited. I will report back. I will be there in attendance. Um, very excited about it, but you know, if they have that buzz back in the building again, kind of, you know, what everybody got excited about the madhouse on Madison and things like that, you know, you know, it's maybe not going to be quite there, but the buzz will start to come back, right? Like the King era, I think has given the Blackhawks a breath of fresh air and also the fans a breath of fresh air. So, you know, what better day than tomorrow? If you're Kirby doc, go pot one at home right now when you're, you're, you're starting to play a little better as a team, start turning around and get that momentum going because if they go on a little bit of a run here in December, you know, off to a great start already, maybe this conversation's a little different in the middle of January about where this team is compared to where it was, you know, six plus weeks ago when Colleton was still coaching. So I'm, 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 I am challenging Kirby Doc. Score goal tomorrow night and get me excited again about having, you know, your jersey because I said you were the one that should have been the pick. Ron Luce hedging his own bets. Um, let's let's get me excited for this, Ron, because I want to drink the Kool-Aid. I do. I really want to drink the Kool-Aid. I want to be all in on, on this Hawks team, turning everything around. I, I so desperately want to watch playoff hockey. And, and, and you're talking about the Hawks going on a run. Johnny, you've mentioned it. S- sell me and tell me this team can can do something really cool. Like, you know, the the Stanley Cup DVD starts with Jeremy Carlton getting fired. Like, sell me on that because I want to be there with you. Ooh, that's that's a Kool-Aid that I even want to drink. I think right now it's feeling like at least just trending toward, like, being a playoff team and getting in and having a chance. But I, I think in order to take that next step that you're kind of hinting at here, Tony, you know, they really need more out of this depth that we all felt like they had entering this season with some of the moves they made. I think Brandon Hagel has shown out and he's, he's outplaying that contract. He's going to outplay that contract that he got that three years with like what 1.5 per year. He's going to outplay that. And he's, he's probably going to be, you know, kind of that sex, you know, that second level of scoring on the team kind of what like, you know, I guess kind of at that time, like you could argue a Marion Hosa was technically that like, you know, that hybrid tier of like, you know, top player and like, second line score, but maybe even like a Marty Havlat or a Patrick Sharp, like, you know, that kind of role on the team where maybe they're not, he's not the star, but he's an incredibly important player. And he's, he's starting to show it, you know, those guys are doing it. The, you know, to bring it Kane Jones, but like, imagine if Kubelik goes on a little streak here and gets hot, you know, imagine if Jonathan Taves is able to get that first goal and maybe he's turned his confidence around a little bit too. Maybe Kirby Doc, same thing. Like, these are the guys that they're going to need to step up and be that quality depth. I, you know, I I think a guy that we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes has been a breath of fresh air. You know, this fourth line has been giving some energy. I think they need more of that, you know, with guys like Josiah Slavin and Ryan Carpenter, which, you know, Johnny's the president of that fan club, as we all know. You know, those guys really start going a little bit too. Not saying, obviously, they're all going to, you know, oh, they got to be 30-point players, but, like, Get a timely goal here or there, especially as the holidays approach and you turn into the dog days of January. Like, give this team a little bit of that energy because that's going to maybe get them to steal some games when that lull of the season starts in February and, and in January. And maybe they go on that run. Like, they're, they're you got to get yourself hyped up. Yeah. And I know I love, Johnny I love says, them, I love getting them going. Well, and I, I, I you know, yeah. like, like, wise Johnny Nani says here, you know, never get up for the letdown, but. 
I kind of want Johnny's not going to be able to sell. The, Johnny's not going to be able to sell this to me. No, uh, I, I Tony, you want to a uh, I agree with Ron already just highlighted it there, so I don't need to rehash it. But the depth scoring, you absolutely need it. You you just need scoring from other places than just like two lines uh, on the team and one defenseman uh, where that's coming from. But you want to get excited if Patrick Kane starts potting more goals, Tony. That, that's it when it becomes showtime. That's where it's going to come in because guess what? We talked about shooting percentage with Kirby Doc and how that may be affecting him. Guess what? Patrick Kane's shooting a little bit lower than he probably mm-hmm. should be too. When you look at his, you know, where he is in scoring and expected goals in terms of finding twine. I know he's still doing plenty assist wise. He always does, but add the goals on top of that. And maybe he goes on a streak and we've seen Patrick Kane do that. There you go, Tony. There's the sell you on that. There's the fire you up. There's there the ready to run. There it That's is. What it ready is. to run. There when it is. Showtime. It's ready I got, to run. I got. I've got uh, joyful Johnny here. Negative Nani yeah. is not in sight. <laughs> That's. I, I'm, I'm saying you, you could. You could always see it, and uh, there's been hints about it. Like, oh, I could. You know, Patrick Kane go on like a, a goal heater here. Well, guess what. He's shown it plenty of times in the past. I want uh, sneaky goalbenders. That's what I want. Very, he's still very much in the prime of his career. Sneaky goalbender is still very likely, Tony. So I want some sneaky goalbenders. That, that's from, how. From, that's all you. Game. That's how I'll sell you on that. All right, let's get into. Uh, you know, we we talked a lot about the offense up front here in these last couple segments here. Uh, let's get to the back end, stopping the pucks. Mark Andre Fleury, more flower power. We I think we've had a flower power section on every segment of this podcast over the last like three recordings. Uh, we're doing it again. More flower power. We need more cowbell. We need more flower power. That's where we're at right now, guys. Um, th- this guy entering Sunday, tied for second best save percentage, nine thirty six cents. Uh, October 30th in all of the NHL tied for second. Uh, and that was only topped by a ridiculous Jack Campbell performance up in Toronto. So he's been standing on his head for the greater part of two months now. So um, other than that, seven, nine and zero overall nine, 13 save percentage, two, eight, two goals, average one shutout, 2.8 point share on the team. He's three known shutouts there, excuse me, in shootouts too. So uh, that is helping the record. Obviously, there stopped all eight attempts, as we talked about earlier. He also appreciates posts. This guy, personable guy, great goalie, obviously a Vesna winner last year. What do we like from Flower, Tony? I know you kind of elaborated on it a little bit early on here, but this is a section. This is the Flower Power section of Four Feathers. I think he just can command the game a little bit, like – more than what I'm used to seeing a goaltender do. Like you, I think a great example, and Johnny, you tweeted this from the Four Feathers Pod account, uh, the aggressive flower, um, where he came out of his net and he, he goes and makes a kind of a daring poke check. But it, I mean, that was calculated. You see him come out of the net and and basically break up what could have been a breakaway attempt right there. And he takes a game in his own hands. Yeah. Guys, I'm. I don't know about you. I think it's hilarious, though, when some people like really freak out about that. And I get the initial freak out. But at the same time, like you said, it was calculated. And I looked at it and it's like, OK, there was only like one guy uh, along the blue line on the opposite side. Flower knew what he was doing there. Yeah. Does it, well, and see, there's there's a thing with this that's different than if Kevin Lincoln went out and did it. Right. So. Marc-Andre Fleury's kind of earned that right to be able to make decisions in in hockey games that. I mean, you, you even saw him go behind the net yesterday to go grab his stick on a play that if if it was even Corey Crawford, I'd probably be nervous that you left the crease to go back there and grab the stick while the puck was still kind of at the top of the zone for a second there. Um, he just he, he's always in the right position, even when you would expect other goaltenders to be out of position. 
His post-to-post movement, the way that he just commands the game is just otherworldly really is is what it is and we've seen we've seen a lot of good goaltenders come through Chicago I think even uh just within the past few seasons even some of our backup goaltenders have been awesome I mean look Scott Foster performed like a fucking hall of famer uh for the Blackhawks there's got to be something about putting on that goalie jersey uh but guys this is this is like watching like a hall of famer just come in every single day do his job whenever he's in the crease the Blackhawks have a chance to win just just because Marc Andre Fleury is there. That's that's all you can ask for. You can't ask for more. I'm sad that we're going to have to go back to because this is he's got one year remaining on this contract, and Lord only knows if he's going to hang him up or go somewhere else. Or I mean, there was rumors flying around about you know potential movement of of Marc Andre Fleury. I don't want to lose that because right now that's like a that's like a security blanket. If you're a Hawks fan, Marc Andre Fleury is your security blanket that you're wearing every time he's in net, knowing this guy can just get this shit done. And that's a good fucking feeling. That is a really good feeling when you are watching this team play and he is in net and knowing that he is going to stop most of that shit that comes his way. Penalty kill, overtime, shootout. I mean, look at Robin Lehner. Like, couldn't fucking stop something in the shootout. There's no problem here. There's nothing to nitpick apart and be like, this isn't, good that's awesome that's more than you can ask for as a hockey fan yeah and i think with with flurry too like it's just how how refreshing is it as, as a hawks fan to to see a hall of fame goaltender i mean we obviously you know got a lot and enjoyed a lot with Corey crawford but once crow kind of started getting hurt we had some dark days like the anton forsberg jeff blast days are like that was that was that was tough that was hard to get through at times you know it's a, just a breath of fresh air having a, that good of a goalie back there because he's fun to watch and like you said tony he can just take over a game i mean he he really kind of did that against pittsburgh you know he let up the two goals and they got back in it and he's like oh well, time to shut the shit down and then he did and they got to the shootout and they won like he's been really really good and i i agree with you like yeah he's got one year left you know yeah he's you know there's trade rumors, but like, just think about if they do go on a little bit of a run this year. And even if they just at least make the playoffs and they trend in the right direction, maybe flower comes back for one last victory tour in Chicago next season and tries to run it back and see what happens. Like, yeah. Is it a, is it a long shot? Maybe, but why not go for that? It, it scares me thinking about this team without him. I love Lankin and don't get me wrong. But like we talked about when we first jumped on tonight, Johnny, even before we started recording, you know, I think he's perfect as that one B, you know, give me 35 to 40 games a year as a number two, you know, they still need that one. And I don't, they don't have it in the organization right now besides for Flurry. Yeah. Ron, I think that's a good point. And there will be plenty of time to dissect the future of the Blackhawks goalie uh, situation here. But as we're on the flower power segment here, guys, I like the chaotic energy that he brings to the game. Um, don't get me wrong. I love the stability of a Corey Crawford. I love the calm, cool, collected Kevin that we had, uh, at least in the early stages of last year when he really established himself as the number one guy uh, when they were kind of in their whatever rebuild, whatever the fuck you want to call it year. Um, but the chaotic energy, how often does a goalie become the center of attention, become the spotlight? 
it's really not that often. I mean, sure, you get like the the saves, the highlight reel ones that will bring the spotlight to him. But it's Mark Andre Fleury's personality. It's a tap in the post after you know uh, you know after that game against Washington where they seemingly hit like fucking like a dozen posts, and he's you know thanking them too after the shootouts before he even goes and gives high fives to his teammates. I like that kind of shit. I love the aggressive goalie stuff that happened. And a, I will say again, Tony, that was a calculated risk, and he made it fine. I know people get worried when the goalie leaves a crease there, but uh, he also did help his team. Uh, in taking away that chance so a guy wasn't coming in flush off the wing. Um, but I, I just enjoy that, and I think it does bring a spark to the team. You saw it in the belt presentation ceremony after that game against the New York Islanders. It was Seth Jones giving it off to Marc-Andre Fleury. And what did he say? Fucking right, boys. Um, that's where I'm at with Marc-Andre Fleury. Fucking right. It's, I'm ready to run. Let's go. Johnny's 1, pretty tonight. I'm, I'm really happy about it. Like, he's – he. I he, know. Looks rejuvenated. I don't know Johnny, what Johnny's bringing, Johnny's he's just Johnny's a, back. Yeah, he's like a, like the flows the, the flows there the headbands on. He's he's hashtag back. There's like he's not he's the farthest thing away from hangover protocol. He's just he's in his prime right now and he's just living it up here. He's ready to run. I, I haven't yeah. ran in a long fucking time. Yeah, he's ready to run. We're we're all ready to run. Let's talk about someone else who's running right now. Seth Seth Jones on the back end doing it all. He's running. He's skating. He's uh, scoring. He's assisting. He's doing everything, guys. Um, This guy, you know, I know we had a lot of doubts, and I think there are still you, you can still appreciate Seth Jones for what he's doing now and despise the contract that he has because it is so mammoth over the years. And we've already been through this exercise, and that's the only reason why. We've already been through this exercise with those contracts there. But as for what Seth Jones is doing right now, let's focus on him. He leads the team with 22 points, three goals, 19 assists uh, behind him, or Kane uh, with 21, Debrinket with 19. Uh, he's averaging, obviously, most ice time uh, on the team, 26-10 per game, 3.1 point share, the hockey version of war, if you want to go with that, uh, leads the team there. Uh, Flurry second with 2.8, Debrinket third with 2.5, uh, and he leads the team with 51 blocks. Now, that may be a little bit... Um, I think he would probably be second or third if Connor Murphy or Jake McCabe were in the last couple of games. Um, but uh, either way, uh, DeHaan is there at 48 with Murphy, McCabe at 47. So they're right there. But either way, this guy's doing it all. And that's the topic of the segment. Seth Jones does it all. What do we like from number four? I mean, when you're Popeye's son, you've got a big, big shoes to fill. I think that uh, Seth Jones has been uh, doing a really good job of filling those. Uh, there's got to be a ton of spinach that's eight in that family. Uh, there just has to be. And that's why Seth Jones is just a physical fucking specimen. Um, and, you know, I, like I said earlier, I want him to be a little bit more physical. But, man, I, he's just a special talent. I think, Johnny, you, you had the concerns about Seth Jones' contract and everything. I mean, I kind of do, and, and I'll rant and rave about it in, in six years. I'd probably be real pissed off, and we can go back and look on this day and say, at one point you said that this is a non-issue. And I'm going to say it's a non-issue right now because the Blackhawks, when this move was made, they were trying to capitalize on the, you know, the, the Kane and Taves era a little bit and to bring in a guy like Seth Jones – again, who eats a ton of fucking spinach, um, that is the cost that you have to pay is is one of these contracts. Um, and I just think that if the Hawks are going to be successful in trying to capitalize on anything for the remainder of, of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane's contract, having Seth Jones on the top 10 list of assists in the NHL is 
more than enough to justify what we need to do here. So uh, I'm a big fan of Seth Jones right now. Uh, he's got his brother here. Um, that's pretty cool uh, to just get to play with with family in the NHL. I think that that's, that's going to go a long way to make him comfortable. I don't think a lot of people – we haven't really even talked about that. Uh, just the fact that like, and Johnny, you wrote a great article and that's how I found out that his dad was Popeye. Didn't know his dad was Popeye. And I didn't know that his yeah, dad was just, uh, an NBA coach. Like hey, that, the, the, that family just exudes physical yeah. specimen type people. And, and I think that, you know, that there's the, the bloodlines say these guys are going to be good. So that's what I've got on Jones. Yeah. Seth's been incredible. He's, he's playing like the player. I think, you know, we were all like, yeah, he can do that. He can be that guy. And I think he's really embraced Chicago. He's a fun quote. He's very honest. I think that's a great, you know, feature with, for him too. Like, I think, you know, in the post Taves and Kane era, this is a guy that maybe is possibly the C, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's that type of presence in that locker room and, 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 and on the blue line and, I mean, hell, his what's his his average time on ice is over twenty six minutes in twenty six ten, I believe. And on top of that, he's like what, like fourth or fifth in the NHL in, in time on ice. I mean, he just he's a workhorse, and it's like it's cool seeing a workhorse because we were spoiled with having two workhorses for over a decade. And I was, I was going to say, is, is, is Seth is Seth Jones kind of the guy that makes you forget that Duncan Keith isn't on this team anymore? Maybe. Yes. Yeah, because to me he is. Yes, he was like a hundred percent the replacement that you had to bring in. Otherwise, every single Blackhawks news media outlet would be like, "They're missing Duncan Keith," and you don't miss Duncan Keith right now because you have Seth Jones. Right, Tony. I think that's a great point, and I, I, I you could boil it down to a number of different things, and you could go off on a bunch of different tangents. I'll go straight up. You know me; I like stuff straight to the point, strictly time on ice and the, you know, uh, leverage of minutes in which Seth Jones plays. That is strictly enough uh, to replace the Duncan Keith and be like, okay, well, we're not missing him right now. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. I mean, there's no other way to put it. He's, he's the number one defenseman that this team absolutely needed at this point. And I agree with you, Tony. It, it, he's, he is it weird that I say he kind of gives me like a Brent Seabrook Duncan Keith hybrid vibe in a lot of ways because he's a big guy he can he can play physical when you need him to but like he's that skilled like you know workhorse can score you know what I mean like he's he's kind of a hybrid of them with maybe even a little more offensive prowess I mean he's just I think the, the, I think the offensive I think the offensive prowess that you're hitting on there Ron is something that both Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, they, they, they both had different offensive capabilities, but I would say that Seth Jones is far more offensive minded um, in terms of that and still holds his own in, in, in the defensive, right? And when you, when you slap the minutes on top of it, like, God, man, like when we were talking about the Blackhawks defense, like four or five years ago, you're like, you need somebody to like fill in this gap. It was always Seth Jones. Seth Jones is like Blackhawks fan defender porn. Like everybody has been looking for Seth Jones for so goddamn long. Yes. And you finally stumbled upon this guy that like even the like the most pissed off Blackhawks fan who posts on message boards has been looking for Seth Jones for so goddamn long to have him is finally refreshing. I know the contract, contract situation sets you up long-term for 
know, Rod, I'll put this into into you know terms that you can understand, like the Jason Hayward territory. Like this is gonna bite me in the ass. But this is the guy that everybody's been asking for for yes. so long. Tony, very, very, very good point there. I, I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's so true when you talk about the comments about the Blackhawks defense for the past close to half decade here um, when we're looking about holes that need to be filled here. Um, but I will also go and preface this. I know you said that Joyful Johnny is here tonight. Here's the negative Nani thing. Uh, he's able to go and do all of that because he is fast enough to do it right now. That's not going to be the case in four or five years conditioning that's that's going to be the problem but i mean again if there's age. one thing <laughs> age 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 but i mean popeye's still got it he's still hopping around out there on the court i mean granted he's he's what he's, he's coaching now but uh, i mean the, the the genes are there let's just let's just see if the spinach works johnny that's that's all i've got to say i'm with you let's see yeah, and we've we've seen it with a guy like Duncan Keith who was able to play those type of minutes well into his late years because he was just a, a freak in terms of his conditioning. You know, can Seth Jones get to even somewhere close to that to extend it a few years? Maybe not, but that's 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 gonna be the problem. Right. And it's I still think, I still Duncan think it's Keith was compact enough to keep it all there. Right. Seth is too big. Yeah, that big body down down, down downfalls of uh the god gifted size, right? Yes, yes, but I mean, let's look at Zidane Ochara. I mean, we just saw him the other day. I mean, he's still he's still rolling around in the league. How do you look to you? great to me. He was there. He was Zidane Ochara was definitely was definitely there. He looked like he wanted to chat with the refs more than he wanted to actually play fucking hockey that night. That's that's what it looked like. He was out there for formalities, some handshakes, kissing babies, talking to refs, and. You know, yeah. uh, who, did, who did he put his his hand in the face of? Was that uh, Brandon Hagel or, or Alex DeBrio? Somebody. He, he wanted to get into it with someone. I, I was worried about Zidane Chara like, just tripping and, and falling over. You know, somebody having to use a help button to get him up. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I just want to know, as we're closing out the Seth Jones segment here, where is the first Seth Jones jersey coming at and which color will it be? Um, among this crew, oh, I don't, ooh, I don't know. I, I, think I, it'll, I think it'll be me. It's gonna be Ron. I think, I think it will be you too. It's, and, it's it might, be Ron. and it might have to be white. Yeah, I don't have a lot of white jerseys. The only white I have is Kirby Doc. So I, I, I need to beef up. Or I take that back. My Marion Hosa jersey is also white, um, and it's beautiful. But it, it might have to be a white Seth Jones. I've also got a, a Mark Andre Fleury on my uh, my to do list yeah. as well. Um, and I kind of want a Patrick Kane in the alternates from last I year, the retro reverse. I, I just not the retro reverse, but I just got the oh, alternate. Okay. It's on the way with the A patch. Let's go. So I, I love that. Wondering. I was yeah. just saying because that, like that, that's kind of what got me on that. <laughs> I want I want the I want the reverse retro one because that's the one he scored his 400th goal in. So like I feel like that's, yeah, that's the one yeah. to get. Because I have I have a Patrick Kane. I have an old school black Patrick Kane when they were still the gorgeous yeah. black alternates that I wish they still had. Still got to bring those back. Oh, they're so good. They need to be brought back 100%. If the Bulls can bring back white at home, the Blackhawks can bring, bring back the original black jerseys because they were just gorgeous. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be me. White yeah. Seth Jones. I, I, I agree. I agree, Ron. I, I've honestly – I've contemplated getting like kind of like the lower one, not like the authentic, but like the lower one of a red there. 
um, because I'm the opposite of you. I have more white jerseys. So, um, you know, so. All right. Uh, that wraps it up for Seth Jones does it all segment there. Uh, great, great to see him, um, you know, doing what he's meant to do uh, for that contract that he signed to here, at least uh, in the early stages here. So hope that continues. Let's move on to other observations. Mine is just fucking crank it. Dominic Kubelik has scored his first goal in 15 games uh, that came at Washington on the power play. It is great to see number eight back in the score column, guys. Um, it's been way too long, and I know it didn't come on the fashion that we're used to with a just fucking cricket clap bomb, but it came. He scored, uh, so he's off the schneid. Maybe that's good vibes for Kirby Doc getting off the schneid here, but um, either way, quick thoughts on Dominic Kubelik here. Once again, a low shooting percentage here, uh, 7.8 on 51 shots. Uh, you got to think that'll increase, especially with just how wicked his fucking release is on a one-timer. Absolutely. I, I think he's one of the guys that will get going and is going to be a big piece of any turnaround that does happen for this team in the standings. Uh, but yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to break that schneid, obviously with Doc kind of on that, you know, schneid right now too. You know, it kind of feels like these two are both hitting that, like, I guess Kubelik's is technically like a junior slump because he's not a sophomore, but that same vibe of like, okay, they've hit their, their slump. Maybe some of that had to do with Colleton and just how the year started and, you know, guys, shortened year, Ron. Shortened year. I'm just going to toss that out there. Sophomore slump. Yep. Look at the sh- shortened year. So, I'm just one quick observation I had. No, and that's and that's totally fair. And you know, so maybe, maybe, maybe he they both get turned around, and and that's what they need. But always, always nice to see Dominic Kubelik in the score sheet. I think he's become a player that a lot of people identify as somebody that should be here for a while and and play a big role. So hopefully, uh, we'll see more just fun crank it goals from him maybe we'll get one tomorrow that would be cool and tough especially being in attendance um but i think he's a guy that will break that schneid now and, and hopefully help this team rise up the standings a little bit i think with dominic kubelik it's it's a matter of, of of one thing for him and that's positioning and finding himself in in the position uh to just fucking crank it um, you saying you should get into the rock star zone I think he needs to get into the rock star zone a little bit more, Johnny. It's exactly what I'm fucking trying to say. Uh, I I haven't seen him there enough. I know when he got in there the other day, he wound up putting one into the back of the net. And that's what we want to see from Dominic Kublik. Johnny, you you shortened my entire segment, but that's exactly where I want to see him go. And that's exactly what I want to see him do. Just get there, man. And you've uh, hopefully you've got people on the ice that can help feed you that. I want to see him with, uh, I want, I want to see him with the right people more. Yeah. Yeah. R- right. Tony. And I, I just building on that point. Um, I think they've shuffled up power play units and rightfully so when things aren't going well, you do have to change something. I agree. Definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, not, you know, getting the same results, yada, 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 go on for days about that. But, um, Dominic Kubelik is a very, he has a very specific skill set. So utilize that and you need to find a way to get him into the right circle in the middle of it, in the fucking rock star zone, Tony, so he can just fucking crank it and blast home one-timers, um, especially on the power play. So uh, th- that's where uh, I... if That's the way to get him going. Just, yeah, exactly. That's the way, that's to, get the way to get him going. And I like that his mentality, too, is I'm going to shoot through it. I'm going to shoot through it. Whereas other guys yeah. might get a little bit, you know, trip up their own game and get a little passive and whatnot. Now he's like, I'm going to shoot through it. So uh, it was good to see that I put out a tweet from four or the other night. He had just like, you know, just fucking cranked one, even though it got stopped. It was a good stop by the goaltender. Uh, I believe when they were playing uh, the Rangers, but still um, I, either way, the, the fact that he's willing to shoot through it makes me believe that he can come through and 
guys, we better hope he does because the more Dominic Kubelik goals that happen, the more times we see the just fucking crank it edit from Four Feathers on the timeline. Got to have that edit out there more often, more often this year. Yeah, it's just it gives off better vibes. And, you know, we need good vibes from this team. And right I think we got some of that with some King shit, but that'll help, too. Uh, every time I refresh Twitter and just fucking crank it uh, is being posted by the Four Feathers account. Yeah, so, and, and, agree and with just, you there. just, you know, we have some like general like outlines so we can use them for multiple players. But I, I just want everyone to know that the edit when we post it, when it's just fucking crank it, that is actually an outline of Dominic Kubelik. Because if you see it's a left handed shot, it's going down, you know, to the knee uh, on that. It is Dominic Kubelik outlined in there, although we may use it for a Brandon Hagel or whoever. Uh, snipes it from the left side but uh just want you to know like we have the debrinket rescue that's very obviously him uh the black outline of him but um that is the just fucking crank it that was a that was a piece of uh of of schwartzy work wasn't it yes it was it it was our guy at dr underscore schwa 96 uh on twitter go and follow him our graphics guy uh over at on tap sports that all right guys next observation for me is Josiah Slavin is a breath of fresh air. I was talking to Ron about this individually a little bit, but um, seeing guys come up from the AHL and being able to make an immediate impact um, is very refreshing. Tony, you and I talk about this on the White Sox side all the time, about who can come up and make an impact. Well, guess what? Josiah Slavin, uh, I know he's been pretty shielded, only 12.02 ice time in the three games that he's played, but he's been noticeable in his limited role. Um, he had an assist on the tying goal in his NHL debut at Washington, set up Seth Jones for that absolute rocket, wicked wrister. Um, and then he's also just in general, a good skater. He's a puck protector. He knows how to keep it away from defenders as, which is good as a centerman. Uh, and he's not afraid to skate out of trouble instead of making an impossible outlet pass, which for me, that's the biggest thing guys. I've seen way too many guys. And I understand sometimes you're under pressure. You do have to just get rid of it, but fuck. There's so, like, <clears throat> cough, cough, Jujar Kara passing it into the fucking defenders directly, basically putting it on their tape. Josiah Slavin doesn't do that. That's why he's a breath of fresh air for me. Quick thoughts on him, and then we move on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, just look at his assist, Johnny, uh, you know, on the Jones goal and how he protects the puck, and he gets pretty deep into the zone before he tails back and looks for an oncoming, you know, player and finds him in Seth Jones and Jones just fucking cranks it from the top of the slot and, you know, ties that game against, uh, against the Capitals on Thursday night. So, you know, he is really a breath of fresh air. I think his minutes will start to increase a little bit, especially if he continues to play that the way he has, even if, though it is a uh, small sample size. Um, but it's also just refreshing to seeing a guy come up from Rockford because I feel like it's been a few years since we've really gotten that. Like all the guys that have come in that are new that have made a huge impact were either guys that came – you know, through the OHL, like to or like doc who never even went back to juniors, you know, like it, it, it's nice to actually have a guy that spent some time in Rockford, albeit not much. He only joined last season during the shortened COVID year, but like, this is a player that was a seventh round draft pick and he's making a big impact on the ice right now. Like if he Brandon Hagel was a sixth round draft pick, he was, he was he, or was he a fourth round draft pick? Six. By the Buffalo Sabres. Okay. I'm curious to know if it's a fourth. I might have to Google this. But nonetheless, uh, agreed. But like Brandon Hagel was an, another great find too and and has come up from Rockford. So maybe Rockford's finally going to start developing and, and being the pipeline that we thought it would be. But um, I'm excited about him. I was excited about him when he was at Colorado College. 
Uh, and I thoroughly enjoy seeing him kind of take that next step forward and make it to the challenge, maybe continue to make an impact. Derek King will be the greatest call-up from Rockford of all time. That's all I've got there. Just Johnny showing off that he was right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just on the Buffalo Sabres uh, pick of Brandon Hagel's sixth round uh, from 2016. But uh, that's another reason why you're like, why are Ron Johnny laughing there? Uh, go and subscribe on Tip Sportsnet on YouTube so you can go and watch us stream live. Uh, when we record uh, some of these podcast select ones uh, like we are tonight, uh, we try to as much as we can, uh, but make sure you're going and doing that. And you can follow it on Twitter too. Um, you can go there, but uh, comment on the YouTube page. That's where you can join the discussion. All right. Other than that, moving on from uh, these next observations here, Ian Mitchell looking sound. I know it's extremely small sample size. Uh, I hate basing things off of just that, but um, based on earlier this year and last year uh, and, you know, kind of stuff that we've seen from him before at the NHL level getting an increased look uh 1609 time on ice for the rangers 1838 versus the islanders uh they'll need him uh with no eta and connor murphy's return right now uh his poise skating ability helps him break pressure uh which is i feel like a rare trait among the blackhawks d zone uh dis- excuse me besides seth jones uh i love jake mccabe i love connor murphy but those guys are very pass first um, instead of skate first. So uh, good to see Ian Mitchell do that. And, um, you know, like I said, small sample size here, but he had the best defensive impact of any player, according to, um, was it hockeystatcards.com uh, on Sunday night against the Islanders. So uh, good to see Ian Mitchell back in the mix. I uh, think he could be serviceable in the absence of Connor Murphy, or do we think he's going to regress back to what he was before? I think, this is a good, okay, go ahead, Ron. I'll, I'll, I'll give my spiel next. No, I was just, I, I think he's a guy that now that they're letting him just go down to Rockford and develop is, is, is thriving on that. I think he's a very talented defenseman. You saw it when he was in college at Denver. Like this is a guy that can be a very effective NHL defenseman. Will he be a one or a two? Maybe not. But even if he's a really good three or a four, like that's still something you can get excited about as a Blackhawks fan. And I think, the more he plays down in Rockford and he'll obviously go back once the team gets healthy, but you know, over these next couple of years when, you know, if the cap doesn't increase and they, they try to add guys and guys need to get paid, you're going to need some of these cheaper defensemen. You know, maybe Mitchell is a guy that can, can come into a role, uh, you know, in a year or two full time and even maybe be as good of, as a four, you never know, but um, it, it's going to be certainly something to watch. I think this year though, he's going to continue to get better the more he plays, even if it's limited, but It'll be when he goes back down to Rockford and gets the 23 minutes a night that's really going to develop, you know, develop him further and benefit him for the long term. He looks like he knows what he's doing right now, which is huge for me because you sometimes you can just see it in a player's motions in their eyes. He looks like he knows what he's doing on this call up. And I know it's only two games, but I'm excited to see what the future brings here. The immediate future, I mean, for Ian Mitchell. I think for for what you were saying there, Ron, just and and for what it's worth, you know far more than I do about uh, minor league hockey. I, I know you you do uh, all the stuff with the Wolves and the Ice Hogs, and you watch these games. I, I I generally don't watch as much as you. So if if I'm completely off base here, please let me know. But Ian Mitchell, for like the last few years, 
I feel like I was sold on Ian Mitchell coming up and being this impact guy. And I know defenders take a longer time to develop than, than forwards do. But if we're sitting here talking right now about Ian Mitchell, you know, maybe being a, a like a number four guy, I feel like that's far off from what, as a Blackhawks fan, I was expecting Ian Mitchell to be. And I feel like we're once again in this situation where we've got another Blackhawks prospect that just doesn't live up to what you expected when they were drafted, signed, what have you. This is this is the biggest problem that I've had trying to continue, like just as, as a fan of the team, just trying to continue to see where the success comes from post this cup run era is it, it's been packed with guys like Ian Mitchell that have so much promise. But then as they come into the league, the expectation and the and the and the posts just continue to get lower and lower and lower. It's like lowering the fucking basket so your seven year old can dunk. That's what I feel like every time I, I, I'm talking about one of these guys. When does this stop? When is it? Jesus fucking Christ! Ian Mitchell was supposed to be this number one, number two guy, and now all of a sudden we're just happy with him being a number four. I don't get it. How how does that get fixed? A new we're, regime. We're, we're talking about the development with Kirby Doc, and now we're now we're just lowering <laughs> the bar for I, Ian Mitchell. I really like that question, Tony. You said, "How does it get fixed?" It can start right now, immediately. We don't know how long Connor Murphy is going to be out for with a concussion. We don't know right now. There's no timetable on it. It can start immediately that ascension. What I saw in the last two games, I'm not saying he's going to be a next draw or he's going to be a top one-two guy uh, on the back end for years to come just after watching those two games. He looks like he knows what the fuck he's doing, whereas before, yeah, sure, he had some poise at certain times, but there was a lot more passivity in his game. Mm -hmm. He was very sure about what to do with the puck, and he had the speed. He has the legs. He's younger. Be able to do it. Then I Connor Murphy, Jake McCabe, who have I mean, taken did, 18 million shots. Didn't we sit on, didn't we sit on a podcast with Tab Bamford for a while, and he was talking about how Ian Mitchell could be like the next Duncan Keith guy for this Blackhawks defense. So this was like a year or two ago. We, yeah, we have. We, we've talked with uh, Tab Bamford and Barstool Chief, both uh, yes. sung high praises for uh, Ian Mitchell. Yes, you're right. Yes, I like at, at a certain point you have to call back to the office where wherever you bought it from the merchant and be like, I want to return this because it stinks. If we're if we're gonna deal with that one more time, I'm going to be very mad online because I feel like not, I've I don't a, blame you. I've no. got a I've got a bunch of goods that I was sold on that were gonna be great right. and they're just not working the way that they were marketed. Right, and you're justified in having that mindset, Tony, and I think I'm right there with you too. But at the same time, as we know, defensemen take longer to develop here. And also look at kind of like the log jam that is there when you're talking about, oh, well, why isn't he a top four here? Um, well, A, the development, that's number one, like we just talked about. But two, I'm fine if he's a 5'6 right now. But like, I want to see that arc, right? Like, I want to see that growth. I want to see some of that stuff. So in, you, you, you are correct. Him out there looking like he know he knows what he's doing is a is this, huge step forward. Is this the start of Ian Mitchell's arc here? I hope it is. I hope it is. That's what I want. But I that's don't. I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear Ron move the goalposts for me. That's that's what I don't want. I want him to, to right. keep that bar where it's supposed to be. Don't lower the basket for him because yeah. that, we, we we need that. We need it. 
if we're going to be successful, we need that. We talked about like how to, how to like get back into a Blackhawks team that's respectable for year over year. Well, when, when Seth Jones contract looks real fucking bad, I want Ian Mitchell out there covering for his ass that they've got to cross planes at some point in time. Ian Mitchell needs to stay on that development path and, and get this right, because that's going to be a huge key. Or we could just trade him like Henry, Henry Yoki Haru or Adam Boquist. And, and then we'll never hear of him again, unless he shows up on highlights somewhere else. Cause we could play that game too. Although yeah. Stan Bowman's not in charge anymore. Ron, any final thoughts after that kind of evisceration there on uh, Ian Mitchell? Because then we got some uh, other kind of shit that's a little fun to talk about here afterwards. So go ahead. Yeah, I think just Tony brings up a good point. You know, are are we finally going to see the Blackhawks draft picks start to pan out? Like, are any of these guys truly what they were as advertised, right? Like, like you made a great analogy of, you know, you told me this was going to be so good and it hasn't been. You know, and we've seen that time and time again. You know, like it'll finally be it'll it'll be nice to see them finally like develop a guy that was supposed to truly be, like be this great thing right because like we were all sold on Henrik Borgstrom like that we were all sold on it you know every single like the that top pick you know every year and you know it would be really nice to just see one work out but I agree you know at least for now if he's a good five six but Tony's right we need to see that that development in growth uh, you know, over time from him and not just this like plateau of where he's at right now. Right. Good. Good finishing point there, Ron. Let's move on to the next thing. Uh, and this is about cleaning house. And this is not specifically about the Blackhawks. We'll get to that point in a second. But Vancouver cleans house, firing coach, GM, multiple front office members. Philly just fired Elaine Vigneault. Um Guys, I'm glad we made our changes earlier in the season. Um, I know that there were other circumstances surrounding it that kind of brought about some of the other ones that were out there, but we all kind of knew head coach was on the way out, just given the way the team was performing, um, the response to him. Um, we still have a shot. I talked about, yeah, okay, 9.7% odds, whatever. But guess what? Philadelphia Flyers are lower than us. The Vancouver Canucks were just very, very slightly above us, and that came from a few uh, early on wins that they had uh, to kind of supplement that they've been more of a downward slide since. Um, how good is it to have some king shit in the air right now in Chicago? King shit is just wonderful, Johnny. It's It's been very refreshing, uh, and it's nice seeing him just – you know, he's, he's a fun coach, right? Like he's, he's got that personality. You hear about the, the guys talk about how he's just a guy they want to play for. Like he's that good personality that I think this team needs, especially on a team with a lot of great personalities. You talked about Marc-Andre Fleury earlier. Seth Jones is, is a very fun guy, you know, good quote and things like that. Obviously Kane is Kane, Cat is Cat. Like they're a little quieter, but they'll give you a good one-liner here and there. You know, this team's got some personality and it's a lot of fun. And he feels like the guy that needs to be in charge. So I agree with you. I'm glad the Hawks did what they did when they did it because doing it this late in the season now, it really feels like it's a wasted year for for both of those teams uh, given how their start has gone. I've just become such a fan of, of Derek King as a person because this is this is your – this is almost like Scott Foster getting called into, into third-string goalie like – come on up and not in the same sense. Derek King was an NHL player. He was an AHL coach. He was the closest you can get to NHL coaching. But from a sense, I get the same storylines with Derek King 
that I had with that. This is your everyday guy right now. You know, he's, he's, he was far removed from his playing days. He was still coaching AHL hockey, but he's, he's a real human. Like when you get him in the press conferences, he's just a, he's just a normal everyday dude who's just out there doing his job and, and, and just, like he, he's just the most sincere coach I've ever heard talk. Like you even didn't really get that with Joel Quinville. Like there was always the coach speak. There was always, you know, just this seasoned veteran professional coach thing. And then when you had Jeremy Carlton, you had a guy that was just always trying to like lead you off of his scent for whatever it was. And then you get Derek King. He's just authentic, hundred percent authentic guy. Who's there letting the boys play. He wears snazzy suits. I mean, this is like just the whole shtick to it is is fantastic because there there is no shtick. It's just Derek King. I think that that's the most that like I I'm, I have so much respect for him because he is just the most authentic human that I've seen in 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 the coaching role, at least for the Blackhawks, in my entire lifetime. I want them to remove the interim and just make him the coach. Because it just seems to work right now. And until there's problems, there's nothing to complain about. Eight and four in, in your first, you know, stretch of being an NHL coach, that's 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 good. That's really good. That's better than I can do. That's better than most people can do. And, you know, even with a very talented Blackhawks roster, you saw the struggle that a guy like Jeremy Carlton, who's also been a coach for a long time, had with this group of people to put a win on the board. Derek King's done it eight fucking times in 12 games. Yeah. Derek King knows how to put a neutral zone structure together. So that's what I like. First of all, just X's nose wise. Um, And on the other end too, Donnie, I I absolutely love the personable uh, aspect of Derek King. Um, You know, he's so easy to root for. Exactly. You you mentioned all that stuff. I love the suits too. Those are great. Some great looks from Derek King, snazzy suits, sharp dressed men. Um, But, other than that, he looks like Walter White, too. So uh, let's cook. It's time to cook. Cook us up a run. We're ready to run. Let's go. On to the next topic here. Um, we're talking trade rumors. Uh, Blackhawks open to trading Henrik Borgstrom, or excuse me, moving Henrik Borgstrom per Frank Spaghetti and Meatballs. Um, <laughs> one goal, one assist, 15 games this year, 11-19 time on ice. Um Regardless of if he's staying going, he just needs to shoot more. Uh, he's only got 16 shots on goal all year. Utilize that skill. Uh, get a few more on net. We'll see what happens there. He's still been a mainstay in the lineup when healthy. Uh, I know he had some COVID, uh, non-COVID illness uh, that kept him out for some games earlier in the year. But uh, we'll leave it at that. Ron, let's get into you because this one's all you. Um, should the Blackhawks explore a trade for Jake DeBrusque? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting case, Johnny, because, you know, Granted, there is no, uh, you know, Stan Bowman here anymore to make the, oh, he's a first round pick that needs a a change of scenery take because that's always been a trade that he loves to make. You know, now it really feels like, you know, hey, maybe maybe this is truly that trade to get him in a better situation. He's shown he plays well. He was really good his first couple of years with the Bruins. And then he's just kind of had the struggles the last two years. It kind of feels like Dylan Strom, but. I feel like he was a little more established before Strom was. So maybe he is a guy to me, he fits kind of that Brandon Hagel role where he could be a really like decent depth scorer and give some energy and provide that kind of flair to the team. And I think it's at least worth exploring. I, I think 
you know, in my article, I suggested a, a kind of like a Strom for DeBrus trade. Obviously, there would need to be more. Uh, I realize I didn't necessarily quote that perfectly in my article, but there would be more involved. But like, why not have the trade centered around those two with, you know, picks and, and, and maybe prospects moving in the other directions and give these guys fresh changes of scenery. And maybe a guy like Jake DeBrusque is what this team needs to, you know, get on that run, Johnny, that we, we are ready for is this episode title right. states. So um, I, I think it's an interesting move. It's an interesting case. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know how much Kyle Davidson's going to do when he still has the interim tag, yeah. but it also feels like they're giving him an opportunity to make his case to be the GM. They've said that they're very, like he'll be in the, you know, one of the names that they're talking about when the season ends to, to bring in as a GM, you know, this is his chance. Maybe to go get that guy and like show, Hey, I can, I can execute this well and make it a trade that favors the Blackhawks that we see, you know, Steve Eisenman and all these other GMs do on a, a regular basis. Prove that you can be that. Maybe you're going to be the long-term guy here and not just the interim GM. So, I think it's worth exploring, guys, because I think it's it's always fun to play what if uh, with trades and, and free agencies. That's why you guys call me off season Ron so much. Yeah, you're off season Ron. You're the GM uh, of the Four Feathers Pod Crew here. Um, you know uh, my stra- my specialty is game uh, game day in game stuff. Uh, you are GM up front, and Tony is the coach. So I've, you know I've that's just no how it goes. I've got that's just no how it goes. There, you're the coach. You're the king shit. Uh, of this group. That's just how it goes. Though. So that's why we did uh, go and send that over to Ron there. Ron, I appreciate it. Quick figures here. Uh, Jake DeBrus, six foot, uh, 188 loves, uh, 25 years old, four goals, three assists, uh, averaging 13.54 on the ice this year in 20 games. Uh, just one goal in his last six. 71 goals, 70 assists, 15, 17 average time on ice in 264 career games. Tony, is that a guy that you would want to go get? Sure. Why not? I'll throw him out there on the ice. If I'm the coach, that's that's definitely a guy that uh, I'm looking for. Although, you know, do, do you guys do you guys really want to move? Maybe Borkstrom. Like, do you want to move Strom? What, what, what's what's the goal here? I think we've got a comment yeah, that, in here. That, that'd be Strom. That, that'd be Strom. We, we've got it, a it, we've yeah. got a comment in here. Is the goal to still make the playoffs? Uh, Ron, you brought up a, a good oh, point gotta... a little bit earlier. You brought up a good point. With Dylan Strom, mm-hmm. if he's a guy that you can get going, I mean, we've seen the chemistry with him and DeBrinket. Like, did something happen to that? Because is Dylan Strom a guy that, you know, could figure it out at, at the faceoff dot or, or something that can help you down the line provide that additional scoring, that depth scoring that you need? I know if, if you're talking about a guy that, you know, if you bring him in, he can also provide some of that value. But do you have to make a move for the sake of making a move here? I guess is the question that I'm asking. Yeah, I, I think that's sure. a fair way to look at it. And, you know, maybe maybe the move isn't there to be made. Again, can, like I like you said, like what we mentioned earlier, can Dylan Strom be a guy that, you know, starts to pick things up a little bit? I'm not saying he's needs to be that 51 and 58 games type player that he was when they first got him. But, you know, even if he can get back to that kind of 40-point plateau, that's a nice place for a guy like Dylan Strom, who the Blackhawks didn't, you know, really, I guess, quote unquote, use a draft pick on. But, you know, I think he's, he's better value right now than Nick Schmaltz. And you I know, mean, weren't like, we at one point talking about Dylan Strome potentially playing himself out of Blackhawks affordability? Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure we had that conversation I want that guy once back. or twice. Yeah. yeah. I agree, Tony. Ooh, I want him to. And, 
and th- there would be no need to make a move if you're starting to see that. And if this is the upswing and also important to note that we just bring this up because Boston had healthy scratched him uh, for a game. And it was reported then per Elliot via Darren that it was kind of in the works, nothing imminent, nothing on the horizon happening immediately, but the two sides have been working on a potential fresh start. So that's just important to note the context there per Elliot. Um, but I just was throwing it out there because Ron wrote a nice article about it. You can check it out on tapsportsnet.com. Uh, we tweeted out from the four feathers spot account on Twitter. Um, but just when it comes to Jake DeBrusque, one thing I like about him, I will say, Tony, I agree. You don't make a move just for the sake of making a move. But to answer that question, yes, the goal is, for me, still making the playoffs based on the talent that's on the roster. When you have MAF uh, in net and Seth Jones on the back end. Um, you need to bring those guys in just to fuck around in year one. Um, but getting further, I like Jake DeBrusque because he shoots the fucking puck, guys. 42 total shots on goal this year. Uh, he's only had three shotless games all season in the 20 that he's played. Um, there's been way too much passivity amongst the Hawks forward core. I talked about Henrik Borgstrom about, oh, like, why is he like on the, you know, block of or why the Blackhawks open moving him? Because he's not shooting the fucking puck. So he's not even giving himself a chance to get on the score sheet. So you guys have been at, you guys like have been the, at the I, UC more than I have. But are people I, I, still screaming for this team to shoot the puck? No. No, which no, is weird, really which is weird because people, people are shooting that all the time. When, when you're we're when talking you're about sk- shooting the puck, yeah. when you're a skill forward, though, and you have your openings, you absolutely need to at least wire it on. Or if you see when your other forwards are setting up for a rebound opportunity, you absolutely need to get one in low. And then a that pads your stat sheet. So it looks better when we come on here in four feathers and fucking look at your hockey reference page and see you have, you know, X amount of shots versus you know, other guys X amount of shots when it comes to like I'm comparing here, Henrik Borgstrom and Jake DeBrusque, but um, I know they're players of a different ilk and uh, you know, different size and whatever and different roles uh, and different teams. But um, you know, that's just one thing I look at when I look at Jake DeBrusque that is enticing to me, but I'm with you, Tony, you don't need to make a move just for the sake of making a move uh, at this point in time, see where it fits. And Hey, if you start getting that production from Dylan Strom, since he's finally back in the lineup again, I'm fine with rolling with him too. I feel like you were just talking to Alexander Nylander there. Uh, shoot the puck. Yeah. Well, that guy's got the skill to fucking score, but we don't get down that rabbit hole tonight. All right, let's look at what's on tap next, boys. We're about to round this that thing was out. That's close. We're about to round this thing out. We've already run about an hour and a half here, but we will close it down uh, with what's on tap next. That's when our guy, Ron Luce, will be in the building Tuesday, December 7th. 7.30 p.m. puck drop on NBC Sports Chicago against the New York Rangers, who we just played Saturday night. Uh, Thursday, going out to Canada, Montreal, 6 p.m. puck drop, NBC Sports Chicago. That's Thursday the 9th. And Saturday the 11th, hockey night in Canada. Tony, I heard Bob McKenzie will once again be out of partial retirement for hockey night in Canada, Canada. Bender purposes um, on the 11th against Toronto, Maple Leafs, 6 p.m., NBC Sports Chicago here in Chicago um, on the broadcast. Guys, this slate will we'll, we'll jump on before Blackhawks come home and have a few more in between then. I think there may be a few other road games uh, before that um, kind of all culminates, but we'll, we'll get there. But these are the next three that we're looking at here. Um, my mind immediately goes to 
Hockey Night in Canada Saturday. You guys remember when we absolutely fucking whipped the Leafs' ass like two seasons ago on Hockey Night in Canada in their place? Dominic Kubelik batting a goal out of midair. Um, just insane stuff. Uh, I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to most here. But, Ron, I know you'll be there, so hit us with some Thursday preview or Tuesday preview. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, first off, I've never seen the Rangers play live, so that's a new team I can kind of check on my list of teams uh, witnessed at the UC. Um, but it's always fun to see Panarin return. They're a good team. Uh, and But the Hawks were – they were, like, oddly in it without being in it. Uh, they, they only really had – yeah, they, they only really had one bad stretch when New York got the quick two goals to take the lead. Like, that was where the momentum kind of shifted. Otherwise, they played overall a very good game on Saturday night. I actually got to watch that game in its entirety. But, you know, maybe maybe they get some revenge on, you know, that home cooking on home ice, you know, that, that kind of, uh, you know, good rebound against the Islanders. You know, maybe they bring that momentum back in and, and they can really do something with it against the Rangers. So I'm excited to be there. Uh, I will be putting out this poll uh, on Twitter, but I would like to hear your guys' thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, what jersey do you think I should wear uh, to the game tomorrow night to rep our beautiful Blackhawks? White Doc, you're trying to get him going. Got to support him. I like it. See, I feel like if we're going to events, we have to start to think about like what the intended purpose is, Ron. So here's my question to you. Who are you attending the game with, first, number one? I'm attending the game with my good friend, Paul. Okay. So is, is Paul like a big drinking guy? Does he eat a lot of food? What, like what, give me some, give me some spiel on, on Paul. Uh, (laughs) This is good. This is fun. I like where you're going with this. This is actually very entertaining. Um, Yeah. Paul likes to have a good time. He likes to, you know, get down. We haven't, we haven't seen each other in a while. So we're catching up for the first time, which will be cool. Um, You know, and, and, it's it's gonna be good energy. So, it's gonna be so, a lot of fun. So, so, so what jersey screams the boys are back in town to you then if you haven't seen Paul in a while? Oof. I'm, I'm going with a red or a black jersey in this situation. Yeah, Johnny, you probably there's are. two reasons. Yeah. I was you, like if yeah. Paul's a big drinker, he, he's he's you know into eating the food, he wants to have a good time. You're not you don't want to mess up that white jersey. That's what I'm saying. That's a good that's point. at least my take. I'm uh I'm feeling you know, it, it might have to be uh, either a, a good old uh, Debrinket red night, um, or maybe we dive into the very oddities of my jersey closet and pull out something that hasn't seen the light of day in a while uh, and really just, you know, maybe throw it back or, you know, think about something. Uh, you know, a, a jersey that's been staring at me every every game I, I go into my closet to pick a jersey. Brandon Sod jersey. No, I wore that one on, on Blackhawks Friday. Don't worry. That one got its its wear this year. But uh it's it's actually been my my uh friend of the program, David Boland jersey. So oh, I'm thinking, oh, maybe oh, uh, that screen boys are back in town. Yeah. Maybe maybe some maybe some red uh Davy Boland oh, jersey. Oh, I didn't even know that might you be had used that in your tomorrow. fucking arsenal. Holy oh yeah. Shit. That's a good one. It's a good one. I got a white Thomas Kopetsky. Uh, Kopetsky see, see, that's yeah, what that's I wanted to do. Yeah. That's what I wanted to know. I mean, if you're getting after it on a set, uh, on a, a, what is this? A Tuesday, Tuesday night? If you're getting after it on a Tuesday night, going up on a Tuesday. Going up on a Tuesday. Yeah. Dave Boland, equal opportunity killer of Bud Lights, from what I know. Uh, go yeah. with the Boland jersey. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 
that's we, a good we, one. We made it through that. That look, yeah. that, look no, at that, that exercise. That's good. We worked See, that, it out. That, that was that was a good exercise. I, I do enjoy that, guys. Um, other than that, the struggling Montreal Canadiens should be a win uh, when we're talking about upcoming games here. So if they lose that one, uh, I'm gonna be pissed. I'm gonna be pissed off. You can lose to the Rangers. I don't want them to. I want them to win, especially back on home ice. But they're a very good team. Toronto Maple Leafs also a wagon. So you got to win that Montreal game and take one of those other two. I'd be happy going two and one this stretch. Predictions. What do we think? Yeah, I think two and one is very doable. I, I think that tomorrow's game is the biggest one. And I, I say that because it's the one at home. Like you want to win on home ice. You want to take that momentum with you on the road again. I know uh, there's a great quote that Derek King said about the, a good vibe uh, after that road trip that just passed. Oh, like, yeah. we want the, you want that good vibe going into Canada, especially, you know, a, a really beat up Montreal team that they can absolutely beat on set on uh, in the first game. But then on Saturday, like you want to bring your A game against one of the best teams in, in that Eastern Conference right now in the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, and you win on, you know, hockey night in Canada on Saturday night. That that might be a big turning point to Johnny, like you said, get ready to run. Ready Maybe to this run. is where it happens. Yeah, yeah that, that might be jumping the first hurdle, Ron. Yeah, it really could be. Why do I mean, you have to fucking add hurdles to this thing? Why not? I but I mean, look at look at the There's look at the straight three hundred three hundred meter sprint or something there, Johnny. Like you're adding hurdles to the whole thing, and now now it's just now it's going to be really hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of effort. Nani. But they've but they oh, yeah. they beat a, a really good season. Is typically always so easy. It's it's super <laughs> easy, man. Again, you you know this. These guys are all machines. And they yeah. well, and think about it though. They beat a very good Washington Capitals team that currently leads yeah. the Metro. Why can't they go beat a good Rangers team on home ice? And why can't they go beat a good uh, Maple it, Leafs team up in Canada? I've I'm seen, just, I've watched some games around the league and other teams. If you're able to jump early on some of these teams, and we weren't able to do it against the Oilers, they got the jump on us. Same with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sure, on most nights it's the Matthews, fucking Nylander, Tavares show, no problem. Same with out in Edmonton, Dreisaitl, fucking McDavid, you know, Pugliarvi, Zach Hyman posting his big ass in front of the net. You get out on them early and fucking pressure them, they can kind of collapse. And I've seen some games, like the Winnipeg Jets just beat the Maple Leafs like 6-3 to three the other night. And it's like, okay, the Maple Leafs are a much more skilled team. There's no fucking question about that. But the Winnipeg Jets is probably Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler, Andrew Kopp, punishing them with some big hits, fucking parking their asses out in front of the net, being able to get in front of them. Guess what? I can see that. Remember Drake Kajula Attention, attention Drake, Kirby Doc. Drake, yes, him, but Brandon Hangel too. Because remember Drake Kajula scored the opening goal from kind of like right around the goal line in that game on the Hockey Night in Canada back in 2020, I guess. Yeah, 2019-20 season, so I think it was early 2020. Him. If Brandon Hale can get that early goal and kind of set the tone, and the boys just buzz after that, maybe get a Kubli clapper in there, I think there's a chance for that win against the Maple Leafs in Toronto. I want I want Patrick Kane to show up in that game. Like I, I feel yeah. like there's there's a certain time. yeah there's a certain point where like Patrick Kane is such a seasoned vet now that I I feel like and this is so unfair to say that Patrick Kane probably goes through the motions of playing hockey instead of getting up for, for big, big games that he, you know, probably earlier on in his career were 
there's a little more of an adrenaline rush, right? Like, and I feel like for Patrick Kane, his somewhat pseudo rivalry with Austin Matthews could be a driver for a guy like Patrick Kane to show up in a, in a hockey game and maybe go off for two, three goals. If, if I remember correctly, my roster transactions, I'm picturing them in my head. Patrick Kane was out for the first game against the Maple Leafs due to COVID protocol. I don't remember that. I don't remember this. If, if he was, then yes. yeah, that Ron was been he? a I believe he was. Factor. Not, believe, you don't need to fact check it, but if you said you think it was too, I think that was the one game that he missed in there. Pretty sure it probably was. It was. Hmm. That's what I want. I, I want the Patrick Kane Austin Matthews like rivalry. I, I just want that. I want it because it's 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 a a factor for Patrick Kane to perform better than Austin Matthews. You, yeah. you need to, you need to give Patrick Kane something to play for. That's one thing right there. Be better than this guy. I want back and forth goal celebrations. I want cool memes to be made. I want Johnny to have a great time running the four feathers podcast, Twitter account during that game. Right. And I was correct on that, Ron. I just looked up Patrick Gaines game logs. No T-O-R to be found. I was, so. I was looking at that as well and confirmed because they played them on the 27th and he was out. He last game he played was the 21st of October. Uh, so a week prior, and he didn't come back until the game on November 1st against Ottawa when he went off for the hat trick. Yeah, correct. Correct. So good uh, research, guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, good. no, for sure. There's some good in, in podcast research here from Four Feathers here. I think we're all kind of, uh, you know, predicting a two and one stretch here, but let's fucking go three and all. I'm ready to run, ready to run. As this podcast title said, let's go. Th- that's what's on tap next. Uh, three games here against some tough pair of tough teams and a kind of uh kickwalk in the middle, but you got to make it that because you're also going up to Montreal. And I guarantee the least could be, or excuse me, the Canadians could be Owen fucking 81. And on game 82, the bell center would be packed and loud as shit, no matter what. Yeah. So yeah. that's and just Johnny- the way it goes up there. Johnny just enhanced you ready to run, too. Uh, after those two games in Canada, they come home for one, two, three, four, five, six. Six yeah, of their guys, next seven and, games are at home. And I, I want to accentuate this. I know we've been on here a while, so anyone who's still tuned in here on the Four Feathers podcast, I appreciate you as we're approaching the you know hour 40 mark here. But when I'm talking about ready to run, we talk, the schedule was kind of broken up. They had like stretches of like three off days at one time. They had like another like two off days. They had another fucking like, you know, holiday break, like within times you're getting into it's basically every other day. There's plenty of back to backs in here as well. You're basically playing every other day in December. If you're going to go on a run, keep that momentum rolling. There's something to be said for, like you, like I said earlier, you see when like you just score a goal and like you see the boys buzzing like after that. Well, guess what? That can translate over game to game too when you get that momentum rolling. That's why you see things that are seemingly improbable, like a you know Blackhawks start in 2013 or a Blackhawks uh, used to be a, the St. Louis Blues going on their 11 game win streak to salvage the season and go on to win the cup. This is where this kind of shit starts. So if you can actually do that and be ready to run and do it on the ice. This could literally be a turning point in the season. So that's why I'm so excited for it. It's a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll, I'm not sure who said that. I'm not sure if it's in a song, but it seems like a good thing to say at this point in time. You might have to check with Frank spaghetti and meatballs on that. I'll uh, check my sources. Sounds good. 
All right, gentlemen, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, I'm Johnny Nani. That was Tony Marchese and Ron Luce alongside me here uh, for season three, episode eight, ready to run four feathers podcast here thank you for locking it down with us uh you know where to find us at four feathers pod on social media and on tap sports net for all chicago sports literature and podcasting needs make sure you're visiting on tap click on the blackhawks tab you can find all news analysis updates that you need right there um make sure you're visiting vivid seats as well looking to get out to the uc go and see these kind of clustered games that we got coming up, I talked about feels like every other day, especially after they come back from that Canadian road trip, um, go to vivid seats, spend over a hundred dollars, get $10 off your order. If you use the code on tap, that's vivid seats over a hundred dollar order, get $10 off by using the code on tap guys that wraps it up for tonight. Let's get one last word in and close her out. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go. Go Hawks.